Hey, everybody. It is still Pediatric Feeding Disorders Awareness Month. So we are completely joyfully overwhelmed to have today's guest on. Y'all, we're hosting some of the powerhouses behind Feeding Matters. And, you know, we've been continuing on our gratitude journey all year long. And this episode, we are grateful for the work that Feeding Matters does. But I have a call to action. They wouldn't be able to do what they are able to do to propel acknowledgement, recognition, and support for pediatric feeding disorder forward were it not from all of the donations that get poured in throughout the years. So please, as long as you're not driving, with my whole heart, I do ask that you go check out the First Bite Instagram page. And in our link tree, you're going to find a link to the Feeding Matters fundraiser. And we set up a page to try to raise donations for this amazing entity. So there it is. There's our call for action. Help us pay our gratitude forward by financially supporting Feeding Matters. Again, go to the First Bite Instagram page, click on the link tree, and ta-da, there it is. I think it's like the fourth one down. All right, I hope y'all enjoy. Bye. Hi folks, and welcome to First Bite, Fed, Fun, and Functional, a speech therapy podcast sponsored by SpeechTherapyPD.com. I am your host on this nerd venture, Michelle Dawson, MS, CCC, SLP, CLC, the All Things Peds SLP. I am a colleague in the trenches of home health early intervention right there with you. I run my own private practice, Heartwood Speech Therapy, here in Town, South Carolina, and a guest lecture nationwide on best practices for early intervention for the medically complex and fragile child. First Bite's mission is short and sweet, to bring light, hope, knowledge, and joy to the pediatric clinician, parent, or advocate by way of a nerdy conversation, so there's plenty of laughter too. In this podcast, we cover everything from AAC to breastfeeding, ethics on how to run a private practice, pediatric dysphagia to clinical supervision, and all other topics in the world of pediatric speech pathology. Our goal is to bring evidence-based practice straight to you by interviewing subject matter experts to break down the communication barriers so that we can access the knowledge of their fields, or as a close friend says, to build the bridge. By bringing other professionals and experts in our field together, we hope to spark advocacy joy and passion for continuing to grow and advance care for our little ones. Every fourth episode, I join in. I'm Erin Forward, MSP, CCC, SLP, the Yankee byway of Rochester, New York transplant who actually inspired this journey. I bring a different perspective, that of a newish clinician with experience in early intervention, pediatric acute care, and nonprofit pediatric outpatient settings. So sit back, relax, and watch out for all our squirrels and enjoy this geeky gig brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. All right, everybody. It is Erin and I's favorite month of the year. It is Pediatric Feeding Awareness Month. And this month is personally hitting a little bit harder because I'm in a new place and I am missing the babies and their families that I have served for the last couple years of my life. But the cat is officially out of the bag and I get to announce that I, as of July 1st, will be taking over the Director of Clinical Education at James Madison University and bringing PFD to a new state, to a new university setting. And I am humbled and in awe and completely freaking overwhelmed, but we're going to give it to Jesus and it's going to be fine. But that seemed like the perfect update for my disclosures and to celebrate joy because we've got to set the foundation. We have to lead by example and we have to build the next generation of pediatric feeding disorder therapists. 
steeped in in a professional practice with colleagues, with OTs, that we all have a seat at the table. But first and foremost, focusing on putting the caregivers first. And that is why we are here today. It's to infuse caregiver empowerment and joy for what it is that we are called to serve with none other than feeding matters. And I would love to say one more time that my camera froze on triple chins, but like, you know, it's fine. We're going to make it. But we have like an all-star lineup. We have none other than Jacqueline Peterson, who is the CEO, Chief Executive Officer of Feeding Matters, Athena Flick. Athena, did I say your last name right? Flick. I butchered that. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> who is the Programs and Events Manager at Feeding Matters, and Jen Lambert, who's the Director of Programs and Events for Feeding Matters. And y'all, these women are absolutely brilliant, compassionate leaders, but they're also moms that have just been there, done that, and we hold both conversations today, the vulnerability and the power, and we have to respect both. So um, without further ado, ladies, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having us, Michelle. So happy to be here, Michelle. This is like, I don't know, I've lost track now, third or fourth time at the rodeo maybe? Something like that, Michelle. (laughs) Yay! Okay, so folks, for retrospective purposes, we have a couple on, and we got the new ICD-10 codes for pediatric feeding disorder that came out in October 2021. We highlighted the codes then. We've talked about evolution in care. We've talked about interprofessional practice with Kyla Romeo and Jacqueline. We've had a lot going on, but in case you haven't followed Feeding Matters on Facebook or Instagram, which I highly recommend that you go do, there have been so many changes in advocacy and so many new support systems built in. But I feel like before we go there, Jacqueline, could you maybe just kind of give us like, what were our roots and what has changed? So there has been so much growth and change for Feeding Matters and for PFD in general. And so I think maybe I'll take it a little bit back first, just to kind of start from like a history's perspective. For anyone that doesn't know who Feeding Matters is or what we're here for, we were founded by a woman named Shannon Goldwater who had triplets who were preemies. And so she knew they would have medical complications, but wasn't aware or prepared for the feeding complexity that would come from this. And so in her journey, in advocating for her children, she realized how much there needed to be a organization pulling parents and professionals together to advance the field. And so Feeding Matters is a nonprofit organization. We're a 501c3 that really focuses on pediatric feeding disorder. And we focus on four different pillars, education, advocacy, research, and then family support, which is at the heart of our organization, making sure families are supported in their journey. Families are a part of this as we're creating a new system of care for children with PFD. And so that's kind of a little bit about our our history. And then in so many times we were trying to bring awareness to this condition that's when we realized we needed to actually name it and get diagnostic criteria and a diagnosis for this. And so that's kind of how PFD originated. And then since the publication of the new diagnostic codes and just this amazing community taking that call for awareness and outreach about PFD, we've been able to see the conversation around feeding and pediatric feeding change. And it's been amazing to see more research in this area and a community-wide network of professionals and parents excited to share about PFD with those that don't know what the condition is. And from an advocacy sense, making small differences in local communities that I think we can help try to bring more awareness to. So Feeding Matters is a national organization headquartered in Arizona, but we do feel the call to provide this information globally. And so for us, it's so important that we stay connected to those that are doing the work on the ground, whether it's 
a professional in the community setting, a professional at a hospital setting, someone in education or a family member who is at any space in their journey um, for PFD. So we're excited to connect with any community member. It's building that community that I think can get us where we need to go for PFD because as much growth as happened over the past few years, we still have so far to go in terms of awareness. And it's it can sometimes feel like there's just such a mountain that of change that needs to happen. Um, but you know, we're trying to chip away at that. And the only way we can do that is the power of our community willing to do it with us, either in partnership or or those projects that are happening even without us present. Um, we're all pushing this forward. It truly does take a village. And and y'all, if you're listening right now and you're like, okay, well, this sounds great, but what can I do? Hold tight because even if it's as simple as picking up the phone and calling your patient's PCP or pediatrician and saying, hey, have you heard about this? I think this might be... Um, actually what's going on with our patient or, you know, popping by and dropping off your patient's report and saying, you know, I really don't think this is a quote unquote behavior or picky eating this. There's more to this. Have you heard about this organization? And then sharing the consensus paper with them, which you can find directly on Feeding Matters website, those little moments that you're basically already doing because it's patient care those little moments can count and and can spread the word. But also there's like a ton more advocacy that we have to cover too. But um, I want to go, um, Athena and Jen, can y'all talk about like your roles within Feeding Matters and how y'all got pulled in? Yeah. So I got pulled in as a parent. So Ari was born with PFD in 2018. And a year later, I was at my wit's end not being able to feed my child, which is totally heartbreaking, takes away all your confidence as a parent. And like, so when he was a year old, his pediatrician in passing just said, after I'd like been crying in her office, couldn't ask any questions. In passing, and then as I was leaving, walking out the room, she said, you might want to try this website from Feeding Matters. Like, that's what she said. So I walked out of there with this thought in my mind, right? Okay, well, she gave me something. She said, you might want to try Feeding Matters. So it took me about two months to get my confidence up, but I went online and I'll never forget, like, because when you go on your website, it's like beautiful orange, right? Which is like a positive, like that color is like happiness, social, right? And then the top two buttons say either get help or donate. And I will still never forget that image in my mind of like those two buttons. And I was like literally clicking on get help, like to save my life. So that's where I started. Maybe some of you don't know, you can go in there and help like for your patients, you can put a zip code in, you can, it provides lots of options of places that you can go for help for, to get a child, maybe a comprehensive evaluation, which is what I had for Ari done. And I paid for that out of pocket, but it's so important. So that's where I first got connected with Feeding Matters is through their website, which is honestly, it's like for parents that are scared and have some like, don't know what they're doing. It's a safe place to start as a website, right? Like no one's afraid of a website, <laughs> right? So I always recommend starting in our website because it's so friendly for everyone, professionals and families and parents. And then after that, I got connected with Jacqueline and our wonderful PR person, Stephanie. I did like a little segment on the news, but that's where it started. And then I happened to see a job opening like a year and a half later after I had I had to quit my job as a teacher to give up my contract because I had to bring Ari to so many therapies. And I'm like, how do teachers have a child that needs therapies like three times a week? I couldn't grasp that. So I gave up my contract. But then once we got him a little more settled in his feeding therapy, I saw this job. And I'm like, this would be a dream job because it combined all my passions, right, of like education, doing a conference for professionals, my new passion for PFD. And I just got lucky enough that I got the job. Here we are. And here we are. But I always wear my parent hat first. And that leads a lot of my decisions and a lot of the way like how I work with like our conference committees and our pre-con committees. I think that hat is hard to take off sometimes and not in a negative way, because it's really important. Feeding Matters is about family-driven care. And they do put family at the front forefront because it's in their foundation. It's in their DNA. So that's how I got started. And it's been an amazing journey. 
Okay. So before we, we got on, we were talking about our authentic raw moments and, you know, talking about like, you know, mom life, like eating and drinking what our kids are doing. I was bragging on how Goose has hit pre-puberty because he smells to how hell bless his bones. He's a sweet child, but he's rather smelly right now. And thankfully we haven't found Axe body spray. I feel like that in and of itself is going to be oh, like a whole other like- an allergic reaction. God, yes. But we were talking about those hidden moments that when we're living our lives, things happen and pop up and it's like triggering. And like for me, honestly, cheap men's cologne is a PTSD trigger from my ex-husband. And I can tell when a guy walks by, I'm like, he's going to smell like bad cologne and I need to plug my olfactory system. You shared your very raw moments and that's, do you mind like recapping that ever so briefly for folks. So actually what got me to think about my triggers was I started going to my own personal therapy two months ago now. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't do it for myself. I did it for Ari. Even like now when I'm in like meal times, like I have PTSD, right? Like that's never going to go away. When I was in that moment, I was like, you know, I told myself like, you cannot go on like this. This kid's already, he presents in all four domains of PFD right? Like he needs you to help guide him through this process. And you're my anxiety, our anxiety turns into our kids anxiety. Like as as a teacher, as a healthcare professional, as a parent, you can't escape that. That just happens. Because I think back of what I learned in therapy, like my mother's anxiety as a nurse, right? Like has, you know, affected my anxiety in what I do. So that was my moment. Like, so I didn't start for myself. I think sometimes you need like a reason to start. And sometimes you don't think that we're Maybe not like deserving, but that's the right word. But like there has to be something for us. And as caregivers, it's like a unique toll that nurturing and helping kids take. Like as a teacher, as a healthcare professional, it's like it has a unique toll on you as a person, as a professional. So I think I had to have something outside myself trigger me to start going. But I started going and she was, my therapist was talking about how everything can be a trigger and even like a certain smell can be a trigger for you. So of course... There's a couple of smells that <laughs> that come to mind for me. For sure, I can smell Ari's vomit. Like that smell, especially like the newborn projectile vomit and how it like saturates their clothes and just like everything smells like it. I will never forget that smell. And if I'm having a bad day sometimes or I'm having a bad experience, like if a mealtime isn't going the way you want it to go, which is not how you should think of it, obviously. But we all have expectations, especially as our kids grow up and do seem to be improving. So I can still like, I sometimes start smelling that smell. It's like it's a psychological, <laughs> like messing with you, right? Like it's not what's going on. So my therapist was like, what's like a positive trigger? Like what brings you happiness and peace? And I was like the Arizona, like that smell in Arizona. And it's like, you go outside, it's like a sunset smell. And then she's like, well, then go outside and just take a deep breath of air. And I was like, this is great <laughs> to calm you down because your body anxiety really is like, it messes with your brain, right? So you need to really kind of balance and calm yourself. But yeah, definitely, yeah, things like that. But being in therapy, and now I see, of course, that I need to get Ari in therapy as well, because PFD, one of those domains, psychosocial, really does affect, it's a whole body effect, right? So we're looking at that for him now. And it's taken me a while, but I recommend that everyone start as soon as possible, because having a child that you cannot feed the way you want to, it takes away your confidence. It kind of, even if you're like a positive, optimistic person, it kind of puts you in like a little, it's, it puts you in a state of depression. So, and we all need help. And PFD affects everyone, right? Professionals working with children, the parents, the kids themselves, the siblings, the whole family. So we need to care of, of all of us. One, thank you for being you and sharing your true self because that takes a lot of bravery. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Okay. So two, I now have an idea for the research pillar. We really should come up with an improved um, caregiver assessment for when we need to uh, make professional referrals, like a screening tool for that. I, uh, because we have the SWAL qual. Swal qual it's swal hyphen qual for adults um and it's designed to talk about quality of life for adult-based dysphagia but imagine having a screening tool for um caregivers on indicators of how this is 
impacting their day-to-day and something that they can tangibly take to a counselor or to a psychologist or a psychiatrist to build them up. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so important to have families at the table to be able to come to those ideas. Um, because yeah, we think about the psychosocial domain, but I think we're so often focused on the child in the psychosocial domain, but the connection is really what the psychosocial domain is about and how that's impacting the whole family. Yeah. Um, that would be, be great too, because my therapist was like, why hasn't anyone talked to you about your mental health? Like, cause clearly I was struggling before and people saw my moments, right? Like even I talked to my mom about it now, like, I'm like, she's like, well, I didn't know what to say. Finally, now that you, when you're, once you're in therapy, things really, things feel more comfortable to talk about, <laughs> which is, which is what we want when awareness and advocacy for these things. So I was like, why didn't you ever say anything? You saw me struggling. Like, she's like, I just didn't know what to do or how to help you. And then of course, like my therapist was like, well, what about your pediatrician or your like your own doctor? Like, what, like, didn't they give you anything or like support you in any way? And I was like, I just, I didn't, I couldn't talk about it with them. They could see what my body was not right. Like my emotions were like everywhere, but I guess it was hard for me to talk about. But if we had that tool, just like we talked about some of their tools that we have for feeding matters that help parents communicate better and with, with their providers, I think that's, I think resources are always a great way to build confidence for parents and caregivers. Definitely. And addressing that mental health piece is like, it's hard, right? Because like, if you see something, how do you comfortably bring that up with, like, as a healthcare professional, like an SLP, you see a parent struggling, like, what do you say? Like, oh, I think you might need some mental health help. Like, that, how does that, what does that look like? (laughs) Right? I I would be like, I would be like, oh my gosh, wait, what? I'm not crazy. Like, you know? (laughs) No, that's that's me. think about. Yes. I bring that up in so many evals and so many therapy sessions. I go there, but I go there ever so gently. And sometimes, I mean, I'm kind of a bull in a china shop. So there are the occasions when I like say something and then I have to like take it back and like rephrase, but it is, that's, that is so important. And folks, if you're listening and you're a clinician, translate this over to Maslow's scale of hierarchical need. If a caregiver does not have those base components of that triangle, if their foundation isn't set firm, they are not going to be ready to to take the next step and leap of faith because it is a leap of faith. It is a trust fall, what we're asking them to do in feeding therapy, right? But if y'all, if we're not building our caregivers up and if we're not holding those crucial conversations, especially around PTSD from the NICU, postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety, because they are God freaking awful. If you've never experienced it, I pray you don't, because once you do, you remember what it's more than baby blues. Baby blues is not justify what those moments feel like in and of themselves as all the women on this call are nodding their head. Yes. But it is, <laughs> it is, um, it is more than so that. True. Yes. Right. Oh, I, know. I just, I was like, time. I was in my master bedroom for eight months. Like thinking about that, like it was hard for me to walk into the kitchen. Like thinking back on that. And my friend friend was like, you have to leave your room. I was like, I can't leave this room. This is like my, It wasn't even my safety zone because this is where my kid had traumatic feeding experiences, but somehow I couldn't leave that space, right? But yeah, professionals, if someone had like told me like, and and someone, and the person who did finally tell me was my child's feeding therapist. (laughs) And she like literally changed, changed everything for me for the better. So everyone should have those difficult, courageous conversations, 100%. Athena, you just made my brain light on fire on another idea. And I got a bunch of notes that I wrote down. So we'll just put that right over there. Oh, good Lord Almighty. This is lovely. Okay, Jen, how are you and your tiny tot eating all the chicken parmesan cutlets? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Athena, I wish you didn't go before me. I'm like, (laughs) Jen. (laughs) You have a great story, Jen. Yeah, we're doing really well. Just a little background on me. I came to Feeding Matters because I have worked in the nonprofit sector now, geez, uh, what, 12 years. And so, you know, that's where my heart is. That's where I feel so fulfilled. And I went to school for dietetics and then I got my master's in early childhood education. So when this position came up, I was like, 
oh my goodness, this really blends both of my loves. And so it, it just, it, you know, it felt like this needed to happen. I needed to work for Feeding Matters. And so I've now been with the organization going on six years. And I just, what I love is it's ever changing, right? There's always something new happening. There's always new strides that we're making. It's exciting work. And I really feel like we all, not just our internal team, but our greater community, we're all making such a huge difference. And so it's just something to be so proud of. But personally, I've had an experience recently. I have an eight-month-old son, and when he was born, he had difficulty with breathing and also feeding. So he was in the NICU for a little while. And man, those nine days felt like the longest days of my husband and my life. It felt like we were in there for months. And it's so interesting because I'm listening to Athena and I can relate so much to everything she's saying because when you're in it, it's like you don't think about yourself. You're just like, okay, we need to get him to this certain level. We need to get him evaluations. We need to bring him home and get him settled. And and it's really been now, eight months later, that I'm pulled out of it more and he's doing really well that I'm able to say, wow. I was not okay. And I'm probably still not doing okay. So it's been such a light bulb moment for me. And I think for my husband as well. What I was telling you, Michelle, before is that, you know, we were, he had difficulties with feeding and then we were constantly, you know, watching his weight, which that can be a slippery slope and weighing him all the time and, and each day saying, oh my gosh, what does this log look like? And what does his feedings look like? And is he getting enough? And are we positioning him right with feeding? And so we had months of that. But now we're at the point where the other night I made chicken parm and he had like three fourths of a cutlet and he's so happy and meal times are pleasant and we're all sitting around the table and it's so amazing to see how far he's come. But yeah, there's moments where I'm still feeling triggered for sure. You know, the conference, there were a few sessions where, oh man, those were tough to sit through. But I'm so fortunate to have the support of not only this internal team, but the community. When he was going through that, I was getting texts from our community saying, how can I help? If you need to talk, I'm here. And I'm going to get emotional, but my gosh, like that just speaks volumes and is really a testament to this very special group of individuals in this community. The amount of love and support that we can find here is profound. And I am humbled when I sit back and look at the leaders that y'all have pulled on board in so many different facets, because it's individuals that are there for the right reasons, right? They're there to support, but they give their, their full hearts, right? And that's honestly, sometimes women play mean. So it's really cool to see that it's compassion. <laughs> I think that's been something that's been since the very beginning of Feeding Matters has been everybody may be coming at this from a different perspective, a different angle, but where can we find common ground? Where can we agree? And where can we have empathy, understanding, and compassion for whoever else is at the table? There are so many areas where that needs to happen versus finger pointing and turf wars and those different things. And I think that's what's made this community feel so kind um, because it's, it's accurate and it's authentic. It was so interesting when I, because I do nothing about the feeding world, right? Like nothing. And then I came in and had this conference and heard about like, there's politics, right? You don't think about that. As a parent, I'm like politics when it comes to feeding, not, not politics, but like different opinions, yeah, right? Politics. And ideas of, of what's <laughs> best. And I was like, oh my gosh, people are very, I was like, oh no. Like, I was like biting my nails. <laughs> like, like what if I don't want to say anything wrong? I was like, but like, it, you know, it's like you need to feed the child, right? That's what we're all trying to do. I'm trying to do it in the best way for each child. Every child is different. What works for my son is not going to work for somebody else, right? And I learned about all about two feeding, and that was like a, just a new thing I learned about. And I was like, this is so interesting, right? Like that whole world. And so it's just been 
just joining the community. I think is, if anything, like there's so much knowledge in like our community and our volunteers that that, that is like a huge draw just to come in and see, have conversations and you're going to learn something new, which, which is going to be helpful, which is the best. As I mean, I know I'm a teacher, so I love learning and I get really excited about it, but it's true. Feed matters is like a school, <laughs> a school for PFD. Come to school, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, I just, you remind me of Ms. Bucky, my favorite seventh grade um, biology teacher. And she was a former Dallas cheerleader. But when you did that, because she was, Ms. Bucky, if you're listening, I never flung the frog eggs across the room. That was Sean, but I still love you. (laughs) Poor Sean. Sean. It was frog dissection day and he put a spoon in and he flung it, but he was my lab partner. And like, I grabbed the spoon from him and thought, yes, I got ISS and he did not. But I loved Ms. Bucky. Oh, you would no. not. <laughs> yes. <sighs> okay. So we have, oh my goodness. Okay. Where do y'all want to start? Do you want to start with um, uh, PFD Awareness Month and, yes. and what's going on now? Well, I'm happy to start. And then Jen is doing so much with Awareness Month. So maybe she can take it from me and and just kind of share everything that we've got for this month. But awareness of PFD is pivotal to open the doors for everything else that we want to happen. We have a slated advocacy agenda of things that we want to happen that may not happen for 10 to 15 years. Things like, you know, PFD being an automatic qualifier for early intervention, set aside monies for research specific to PFD, inclusive insurance coverage for PFD, automatic screening, best practices established, a specialty pathway for PFD. There are so many things that may take 10 to 15 years to get, but we always look at things as like, how do we start? And to start, we need awareness of PFD. So our goal through 2026 is let's make PFD a household name. So it's not just this well-kept secret among feeding therapists in the Feeding Matters community, but it's other professionals are aware of this. Parents, even before they become parents, are aware of it. And that's what led to the creation of PFD Awareness Month. And so five years ago, we kind of started with one state. It was just Arizona where we're headquartered, declared PFD Awareness Month. And then since then, we've been able to grow and really build a movement behind it. And this year, I think, is going to be the best one yet. And so, Jen, I mean, you've done amazing things with this this year. So excited. I just like, not only that it's our fifth year, but just the momentum. And this happened before this month even started, okay? Like, I was feeling it weeks ago. I don't know about the both of you, but, and you, Michelle, too, you're probably feeling it as well. But there's just so much excitement. And I want to start off by saying that we really could not be doing this without our volunteers. So just to give you an idea of what our volunteers are doing, a few weeks ago, I sent out to our volunteer group, I said, listen, we want to submit proclamation applications to deem May as PFD Awareness Month in every single state. Okay. That is like reach for the stars. That is our goal. I am not kidding. Within that day, I had about 15 volunteers say, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I mean, That was so exciting to see. So this year, we had over 20 different volunteers. Okay, so 20 different volunteers across the U.S. And we had a few international that said, we want to help too, which was so cool. But we had over 20 volunteers submit over 33 proclamation applications. That is the largest we've ever seen. So as of now, we have 12. I'm thinking almost 13 states that have approved this, which is our largest yet. But not only that, we're seeing an uptick in how many people are engaging in social media, how many people are visiting our website, interacting on our PFD Alliance app. We're really excited because this year we have launched a new fundraising campaign, and that's taking place of our November virtual community event, which I know many listeners here have been a part of. And we're calling it, call it PFD, Feed the Cause. Jen, I'm cutting you off. People, Aaron and I created a first bite 
feed the, say it again. I just got excited in my ADHD. Call it PFD, feed the cause. Yes. We created a page. So love us with your love money. That's what my grandma calls her money left over at the end of a budget. She called it love money. Or if she was in a pissy mood, she called it mad money. Mad money normally went for ice cream. So don't spend your mad money, but spend your love money and then donate to Aaron and I's first bite feed the cause page. Michelle, thank you for that plug. And yes, we all know how much work needs to be done in the field, right? And after conference, which just happened, we feel this even more, like 10 times more, because our list of ideas continues to grow. But we know that we can't sustain ourselves as an organization without the support of all of you. So we want to change the field. We're asking for community support. So If you are willing and would like to, you can create your own fundraising page or you can donate to Feeding Matters. And not only are we raising funds through this campaign that's called Call It PFD Feed the Cause, but we're also hearing from each individual person who creates a fundraising story about their why. So when you create your page, you can put down what is your why, and it really shows how PFD impacts everyone differently, right? You heard from Athena and I how it impacted us differently. And then you really get to see that through these pages and through that campaign. So really so many exciting things going on this month. We're asking you all to engage in our social media, share posts, create your own posts. And you can do that with some of the images and graphics that we have on our website. Talk to each other on our PFD Alliance app. Go talk to a pediatrician, share the word about PFD. I mean, there's so many different ways. And as Jacqueline and Michelle talked about earlier, it can be something as small as sharing a post, or it can be, I want to plan this presentation or present this conference, you know, any way you can do it, please spread the word, raise awareness. Folks, if you're a member of ASHA Special Interest Group 13 on May 2nd, I did a link directly to, so you'll see it back in there. Uh, There's an entire, call it PFD, Pediatric Feeding Disorder Awareness page where it has a lot of new hyperlinks on the website. And I shared it to the SIG 13. So it's right there, even within the ASHA SIG 13 chat form. And oftentimes you'll see a lot of the great leaders and volunteers that are part of Feeding Matters will post new research articles that relate to it and they'll have hyperlinks back over to Feeding Matters. So you'll see that this volunteer and advocacy work directly impacts dysphagia because I feel like that's still a myth that people think that pediatric dysphagia is not necessarily a component of pediatric feeding disorder when absolutely it intimately is intertwined into that medical diagnosis. So that or the medical diagnosis is just one of the four components. So there's there's that. It's a perfect example of a great opportunity to share PFD and provide that outreach. I think that's exactly what we're looking for is how can we share? And there's so many different ways to share, but that's a, a great one. And for all of those SIG 13 members, I feel like you were building your community in and of itself for PFD, which is amazing to be connected to. I think also in terms of a conference, because you can still register on demand. But when we were playing this year's conference, we really wanted to like emphasize collaboration and like communication because that's like a building block of awareness. And it's hard to find the time to like collaborate, right, with other professionals because our days are already so busy with what you're doing, your actual job. But it's just so important. Which is like, but so many of our, a lot of most of our sessions have more than one speaker for a reason. They talk about how they work together and how they have successful models for communicating interdisciplinary communication, all the disciplinary care approach was like one of our number one sessions this year. Did so watch that. So it's just so important. It's like the foundation of, of our awareness is to communicate. Just talk, talk about it. Talk, talk, talk. Well, and, <laughs> that's that's such a good point you bring up because I think so many times we talk about families are not alone and we support families, which absolutely we do. But we want professionals to also know they are not alone in this journey and we are there to support them. And the conference is one of those ways to do that, but also through volunteering with Feeding Matters and to being a part of our community is another way 
to support them. I have to give a shout out to, um, there was one poster or one of the mini breakout sessions that was on there. And it was by the dumpling duo OTSLP on Instagram. And they were like, they were so excited. I could feel them not sitting still in their chairs when they were talking. And I appreciate that because I also can't sit still in a chair. But um, theirs was a transdisciplinary approach to feeding disorders by social determinants of health. And that was, I just, I really enjoyed that they pulled in that social determinant of health piece into their presentations. So, um, so if you're listening, which I mean, they probably have no idea who I am, but like, I love y'all. <laughs> so I'm like, fangirl moment over here on my end. I just thought it was great. I'm going to I'm gonna email them and tell them to tell them you said that, Michelle. <laughs> yes. It was so good. I just, I love, I love the enthusiasm when it's palpable mm-hmm. and you can like feel it mm-hmm. through. Yeah. We okay. wanted to have more of those moments. So we had 12 of those lightning talks and they're literally, everyone was like, they were like the most successful over 300 views each just right off the bat. And it was like amazing to see the people want, how people want, we want more information. We want new information, right? Like we want all this research. We want it. People want it in this, in this field. And it shows just by our, the response to those lightning talks. Okay. So I have a request. When can we do this live? Because I like that community where we're face-to-face. Is this a possibility in the near future or not so near future? Can we put this in the five-year plan? Because, like, I would love that. Is that possible? <laughs> Do you mean live and in person? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can. Yes, I love does. teleconferences are great because I can be in PJs <laughs> and, like, you know, go for a run and listen when I'm running. But, like, I also love sitting. I'm My love yeah. language is acts of service and touch. I want to touch somebody. And for sure. <laughs> and, and collaboration in person is really powerful. Um, you know, uh, uh, the organization that, that in kind of in, in our strategic plan, we have like that we're a digital first organization because we know that's the, the best way we're reaching our community members right now. But it doesn't take away from the collaboration and the communication that can happen in person. And I think, you know, talking to anybody that has the benefit of being able to have all the disciplines at the table knows that, that in-person collaboration is really important. And so because of that, um, it'll be 2025 when we have an in-person matters conference. Um, We will still always have a hybrid option just because we want to make sure that we are um, able to have those that can't attend and, and at least try to be as equitable as possible in terms of access. Um, so we will have another 2024 conference. I I do think our in-person conferences feel different or our online conferences feel a little bit different. There's still that community aspect, but I'm excited to see what happens when we all get together again in 2025 because it will be six years since we will have been together before. 2019 was our last in-person. Okay, so where, when, and I need to put this on my calendar. <laughs> You've got Jen and Athena panicked. I know, I'm sweating right <laughs> now. Mom's over here, Michelle, thinking about that. We're nonprofit, Michelle, so we need to find someone to help with that. Okay, well, I will volunteer my time. I planned enough Skisha conventions and pulled this out that um, I I love that. But um, okay, so sometime in 2025, please don't let it be November because that's when Ash is. But no, no, it'll be it'll be early 2025 in Arizona. Sweet. Okay. This I can. Oh, I feel like the weather will be pretty, and it won't happen. I was yet. just about to Perfect say, time to people Perfect to time to come to Arizona. Arizona. This is so exciting. Oh, my face hurts from smiling. That's great. Oh, I'm so happy. Oh my goodness. Yes. Okay. So, w- wait. When does the conference on demand end? Because I know that was a question that somebody asked me, and I was like, I don't know. Because I mean, if they want to see the current conference on demand, does that conclude like May 31st or? Yes, you can go to register. You can go online at Fiamara's website and click on our wonderful conference tab. And you can watch them through midnight on May 31st. <laughs> and some nice. people will be watching them through midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always surprised every year. And I'm like, this is because that, that would be, I'm saying that because that would be me. I'm a procrastinator. And I would be on there watching those until midnight on May 31st. Yes. Yeah, there's still a whole month to watch them. Yeah, 21.5 hours. So that's really great for people. Or so I should say 2.15 ASHA CEUs. <laughs> yes. Um, and I have already done mine because I, yes, I, Michelle, y'all. I have a <laughs> certificate. 
I was so proud of you. And I'm always so proud of people that finish the whole thing like so quickly. I'm like, Michelle, I like sent your certificate. So proud of you. <laughs> like a teacher. Congratulations. <laughs> I was like, I got my gold stars. Y'all help me. You unbox. did. A plus. <laughs> I was like, this is how we unbox a house. This is how we put it together. We like, I was fueling my unboxing rage with joy from PFD because um, they literally boxed our house together with Legos. I kid you not. They took some of my breakables and packed it with my son's Legos because there was a couple of complaints on my behalf after I had calmed down, but who boxes with Legos? It's been an eventful 30 days. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the horror on, on Jacqueline's face right now. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that doesn't make sense to me. No. And it was like, well, also we do have that many Legos. It was like multiple boxes. And I was just like, this is, this is painful. Okay. But I digress. Okay. So we survived the move and we celebrated with a conference and, and where, what are we, what can we expect? Like, where are we as, can we talk more specific about how we're moving forward? Yeah. I think one of the exciting things about conference is the ability to get a deep dive understanding from our community about like what are the actual tangible things that need to happen next? Um, you know, we have our like, you know, 50,000 foot view, our lofty goals, but the tangibility and 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 what people need is is really important to us. And so um Symposium, if you haven't watched conference or are still catching up on your credits, Symposium is our opportunity to brainstorm with the community on what's needed. And so, you know, we were hearing loud and clear insurance um, was a very big question and need. And there were a few different components within insurance that um, the team is taking back and kind of figuring out what our brainstorm around that is. Um, of course, there's an awareness and education piece that, you know, insurance companies still need information on PFD. Um, and that may help prevent some some of the appeals, denials, uh, peer conversations that need to happen um, to, to support insurance. Um, but there's some other, you know, more maybe more tangible ways that we can support at least especially the professional community as they're interacting with insurance. And so we ha heard things like specific resources that need to happen, some support with how to help provide documentation about PFD, um, what we're using actually in those medical records. And so we heard I, uh, loud and clear, and hopefully if anybody didn't get a chance to share their voice, they would be willing to share that um, at programs at feedingmatters.org. You're always willing to submit your feedback. And, um, you know, we're really trying to take that back and say, okay, we have resources that we share each year. We are always trying to have quality resources, um, but what do we need to share next um, that the community needs? Is definitely one. I don't know, Athena and Jen, if you have others. That's just the, the first came to my mind. I think like the most interesting thing for me is like, because I, I get questions from our audience to send to our speakers of this year. And the one that's come up the most is people asking for those. We had some successful presentations on like how different um, like fields work together. So like an MD and RN and RD and SLP and OT, a psych, they all work together on a team. And like, just like, even like an, like what intake form do you use? Like little things like that. Like, how do you, what questions are you asking? How are you building your schedule together so you can all meet together? Just little things like that. People are thinking about how they can themselves replicate these successful models that are really helping these kids. So that's been an interesting, like that's the most asked about question I think I've had so far. And that's hard to teach because I have to, I got to put my professor hat on and trying to teach IPP. Um, also, thank you to everybody who survived the semester in my two grad PFD classes because we made it. Um, but it is very important that if you're teaching a peds dysphagia class, or you're teaching a pediatric feeding disorder class, that you're focusing on interprofessional practice, that you actually break down the four domains of PFD and specifically go into the scope of practice of the speech pathologist because 
there can be pushback, especially on that um, nutrition component. Like what is our scope of practice role and responsibility within the nutrition? And I always explain, write down the type of food that they're consuming, how they're consuming it, the frequency, the volume. And, and if it, if you have any concerns, that's where you can include SLP has concerns for not meeting caloric metabolic need. Please refer to a registered dietitian. We can say that that's within our scope of practice, but we have to go back to teaching the next generation of future clinicians. This is how we can engage in best practice in IPP. One thing I was just responding to from, from you, Michelle, was it's been hard to change the conversation to meet the needs of those providing service. Like you have ideal world, four domains of PFD, and we need to do a really good job of how do we translate that no matter what community setting or no matter what resources or location um, someone is at. Because access to care is very different. And so how can we provide support so that professionals have an awareness of the other domains and have an ability to know how to access them um, is really, you know, where we're, I think, spending a lot of time figuring out how do we um, provide a little bit more support, mm-hmm. education, and resources around. It always amazes me when I go into a pediatrician, and that's not, not like a number one or two screen question, right? Because like when you think of, like you talked about Maslow's needs, like that's like, right? Like if they don't get nutrition, what's going to happen? right? They're, they're not going to make it. <laughs> so it's like, you have to really think about, and it's always surprising to me that with PFD, those domains are so interconnected that like everyone should be asking about all of them just to get an idea of where things are at. And then like you talked about referring out to an RD or to where it needs to go is super important. It's an extra step, but it needs to be taken. If we go back to access to care, and if we go, if we pull in that DEIA lens, diversity, equity, inclusivity, and accessibility. If we go through that lens, in some cultures, individuals and caregivers are not told that they can question the physician. They're not told that they can question their therapist. And they're not empowered to advocate to utilize their preferred foods, right? So if we take in that piece, I had a patient um, who was in hospice care and um, his mother was um, uh, um, brought in from Mexico when she was a very young child. And so there was, um, you know, that whole tension in South Carolina, which I'm not even going to touch with a 10 foot pole, but everybody understands what I'm talking about. Right. So I'm worried that this mother who only speaks Spanish and did not have, um, uh, she didn't, wasn't provided uh, enough education in her own academic capabilities to then empower for her child. But she was a very young, young mother. The, when she went in for a swallow study with the interpreter, they told her to use this white sauce and it was um, uh, a applesauce but she didn't know what applesauce was. They didn't use applesauce. So she didn't understand what was going on. And she said, I have to buy this white sauce, but we don't cook that. I don't know what it is. And and just not even knowing how to ask the questions or feeling that she could ask those questions or what viscosity and consistency were to change out. I know that is just but one example, but then if we pull in the whole piece of rice and well, where can we put in rice or how can we cook rice so that it meets the itsy textures? Okay. I could go off on 14 different tangents, but that is, that is critical that we as professionals empower within there. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Jen, that was a very big tangent. Lay it on us, lady. What you got? No, you you know what? Great tangent. (laughs) It was, it was a a great tangent and it just, it goes back to many points that you all had touched on. And to the original question that you had said, Michelle is like, what's in store for feeding matters? You know, the rest of this year post-conference, how do we continue to see ourselves growing? One of the things I see is building that community-wide network that we had talked about, right? And so 
one of that ways, one of that ways, one of those ways, excuse me, is through volunteering with us. And I know that sounds like wait, I'm virtually doing this. However, I want to give an example. Recently, I was having a conversation with one of our um, clinicians that works with us, and she was sharing some of her barriers and roadblocks that she currently has in her position and feeling like there are so many children out there with PFD and not enough time and manpower to help them all. Mm -hmm. So as much as we all wish we could take those barriers away, right, I'm sure many times we have thought that. We know that the system change takes time. So what I was able to offer to her is first share, we're all in this together, little uh, high school musical plug right there. But also second, that we may want to think, um, she may want to think about volunteering with our organization. And I say that because not only does it feel good to contribute to projects and um, other initiatives that our organization is doing, but those feelings can help lessen that feeling that that person may have of stress, anger, anxiety in their life and building those bonds with your community and others. It it does counteract that social isolation that you may feel when you're in this. And I think a lot of our professionals and families feel that. So I, I plug our volunteer program because it's near and dear to my heart, but I think there are so many benefits to being a part of our volunteer program in that you know, depending on your time commitment, you could volunteer and do these one-off projects such as submitting a proclamation application for PFD Awareness Month. Or you may say, I have the time to dedicate to Feeding Matters. I want to be involved in a committee. And just so you know, it's timely that we're doing this podcast because we have our open call for leadership happening here in a few weeks. I believe, is it May 15th? Athena? Yes, the call for leaders and call for papers for the next conference is May 15th. So exciting. So those are both larger ways to become involved, to further educate our community, to further be connected with other like-minded or professionals in the field. So I share that today and say, if you want to volunteer, if you want to grow as an individual, but also give back to the field, go to our website. There's a link to sign up to become a volunteer and we'll get you onboarded as quickly as possible. I always like to, after the onboarding, have a call with each volunteer to get to know them, to see Mm -hmm. what are some special talents you may have. Because through those conversations, I found out a lot about our volunteers. And so um, we'll get you onboarded, we'll get to know you, and then we'll place you in what makes the most sense and, you know, meet you where you're at. And not add another thing to your plate, but make sure this this opportunity allows you the growth that you're looking for. Yeah, we really want it to be a win-win. Um, you know, not only are you giving back to our organization and helping us craft some of those resources and kind of that the context and communication around PFD and what, where we need to be diving into, but hopefully it's giving you... Um, the opportunity to feel that community, to get your own professional development by engaging with other professionals and families. So we really feel like there's so many advantages to it. And I think kind of also to to acknowledge, Michelle, your previous conversation around how culturally PFD shows up differently. I think that's always been um, part of the, even the definition consideration was, you know, we didn't want to say you know, you have to be eating by a spoon if not all cultures are using a spoon by a certain age. And so, you know, we need to carry that conversation. And as a team, we do the internal work, but we also hope to really think about what do we need to be sharing from a public communication standpoint to ensure equity and access is a part of every conversation as it relates to treatment for PFD. So it's conversations with volunteers that help us get there. And that's why we are so appreciative to anyone willing to, you know, give up their time to support this effort. The power of two program that y'all have is I have to, I have to go there. That's one of my personal favorites. So folks, if you're not familiar with the power of two program, and I know we've talked about it in past episodes, but, um, it is a, you can find it right online. I, to circle back around to how we opened today's episode, talking about um, trauma and support. Um, and sometimes caregivers don't want to tell me certain things, nor should they feel that they have to. 
I am a specialist, right? But I'm, I'm also a mommy, but I'm not a mommy of a child with PFD. The boys have had their hicks, hitches and their giddy ups, but not PFD, right? Um, but I can provide them that information. They can make a call and then find support. And Athena, what you said about, you know, two months later, I, I got on the website. That's what I find is that sometimes I just plant the seed of reach out here and support here. And then eventually they call back around and reach out. And what I love the most is when they call back around, they go through their journey and then come out on the other side as a PFD advocate. And then they tie up their time to be a power of two coach or a volunteer on another committee. And that to me, when we can take our most vulnerable moments, our rawest, scariest, most fearful part of ourselves and turn it into a light for another person, no matter how raw it can feel, that is, that is how we can shine our brightest for a good cause. And so, so well said, Michelle. Mm, that's all Jesus. Crying. I just need to be a come <laughs> crying. <laughs> I get yeah. it. <laughs> but, um, but there it is. So, okay. Final thoughts. Hashtag call it PFD. Use that on all the things. I love this hashtag. <laughs> I'm still not 100% sure on how hashtags work because it's Phil feels like the pound sign, but do a hashtag and um, post with grace. Uh, I, I have, I still have a hard time processing when research is presented on a tick of the talk via a dance reel, because that to me just doesn't feel very becoming of our profession, but this is just my personal thing to walk through. But, um, yes, we're, we're getting there. Okay. Give me, give me your final thoughts, ladies. Celebrate PFD awareness month with us, no matter what that looks like for you. But um, this month, there's going to be a lot of exciting things that come out of Feeding Matters with stories being shared, with ways to support professionals, um, with being able to buy merch, PFD awareness merch, or call it PFD, Feed the Cause fundraising campaign. So just so much to look forward to this month. I would just yes. say, like, where, to where I started, how it started for me was a website. So as a healthcare professional, if you're, like, feeling like someone just needs a little extra something boost, just be like, here's our Feeding Matter website, right? Like, just get, let them get comfortable with what, what's on there, the ideas, right, the knowledge, the resources, the support. And then once we have, as parents, that confidence, it's easier for us to have those conversations and open up more about what the journey that our child is going through. And that's going to help everyone at the end of the day. There's so much power in meeting people where they are. And um, that can be in terms of how our volunteers, our PFD Alliance members, our community is sharing about PFD. That's how everybody is interacting with families that are on their journey, no matter where they're on, on their journey. And that's honestly how we're sharing information too. Um, it can look and, and feel many different ways, but as long as we're getting that information out there, that's what's so important to me about this month. So I think Jen said it best. Let's celebrate, celebrate, call it PFD. Become a volunteer with us if you're interested. Remember, I'm going to add that in at the end. That's always my plug. But please, come join us. Let's make this uh, community network, I love that, even bigger than what it is. I got to say thank you. Um, if Folks, if you're listening and you've ever seen me live, you know that in the course of a live presentation, I will make you pull out your phone and then find Feeding Matters on Instagram. So, um, you, that's <laughs> so thank you, Oklahoma City and the greater state of Oklahoma, as well as Tennessee State University and AT and Still University, and the list goes on. But um, thank you, thank you. Um, but if y'all know Aaron and I, you know this is a cause that's near and dear to our hearts because at the end of the day, fed is fed is fed, and we are only as good as we build up our caregivers. So with one breath, you can complain. With the second breath, dig deep and join us. Feeding Matters guides system-wide changes by uniting caregivers, professionals, and community partners under the Pediatric Feeding Disorder Alliance. 
So what is this alliance? The Alliance is an open access collaborative community focused on achieving strategic goals within three focus areas, education, advocacy, and research. So who is the Alliance? It's you. The Alliance is open to any person passionate about improving care for children with a pediatric feeding disorder. To date, 187 professionals, caregivers, and partners have joined the Alliance. You can join today by visiting the Feeding Matters website at www.feedingmatters.org. Click on PFD Alliance tab and sign up today. Change is possible when we work together. That's a wrap, folks. Once again, thank you for listening to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional. I'm your humble but yet sassy host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through speechtherapypd.com. Please check out the website if you'd like to learn more about CEU opportunities for this episode, as well as the ones that are archived. And as always, remember, feed your mind, feed your soul, be kind, and feed those babies. Hey, so it's Michelle Dawson here, and I need to lay out my disclosure statements. So uh, if you ever wondered how bad my ADD, ADHD, and lack of sleep Monday through Monday actually is, well, here you go. These are my non-financial disclosure statements. I volunteer with Feeding Matters. I'm a former treasurer with the Council of State Association Presidents. I'm a past president with the South Carolina Speech Language Hearing Association. I am a current member of both ASHA and SCISHA. And for this year, for 2021, I volunteered for the Pediatric Feeding Disorder Planning Committee for the ASHA 2021 convention. My financial disclosures All right. So I receive compensation for first bite presentations, as well as talking teletherapy and understanding dysphagia from speechtherapypd.com. I also receive royalties from speechtherapypd.com for ongoing webinars that I have on their website, as well as compensation from PESI Incorporate for a lecture course that a webinar that I have on their website as well. I am coordinator for clinical education and clinical assistant professor for the Masters of Speech Language Pathology program at Francis Marion University in Florence, South Carolina, for which I receive an annual salary. I also receive royalties from the sale of my book, Chasing the Swallow, Truth, Science, and Hope for Pediatric Feeding and Swallowing Disorders that I self-published and is available on Amazon. And I do receive royalties from the accompanying 13 and a half hour CEU for the book from speechtherapypd.com. So yeah, I stay pretty busy, but those are my financial and non-financial disclosures. If you ever have any questions, please feel free to reach out. All right. Thanks, y'all. Bye. The views and opinions expressed in today's podcast do not reflect the organizations associated with the speakers and are their views and opinions solely. Mm -hmm.